So welcome into the week nine Backroads podcast here with Texas1AFan.com. So much to get to. It was a wild and crazy Thursday and Friday. There was a full moon out. And if you don't believe it, all you had to do is look at the play on the field and some of the scores. And I'm Craig Spear with the Happy Sports Network and PressBassSports.com. And I'm Bobby Brown, Texas1A fan. Bobby, you and I talked about it texting back and forth Thursday and Friday. Some of the scores were just, they, they made no sense. And it had to be the full moon that was out. Had to be. You know, every time I went outside, it's supposed to be dark and, and there's a big old spotlight shining and it was that full moon. And I think it affected a lot of things. <laughs> well, uh, one thing I can tell you, it did not affect. And we love to start out every Backroads podcast with a coach. And we're bringing somebody on whose team is playing lights out and starting to make a name for themselves across the state. And that is the head coach for St. Joe, Mark Stevens. Coach, welcome in. Oh, thank you. Glad to, glad to be here. You guys, I, I mean, I think you, I don't want to say you came out of nowhere. I just don't know that everybody expected St. Joe to be this good. And now you look up and, and you guys are right there contending for a district title. Just talk about the play of your team in general this year. Well, we have a very experienced team this year. In our school, we have 11 seniors and 10 of them are good football players. So we have 10 seniors playing football um, that have been in the program now and the system now for three years. So the experience is, is, is you know, really helped us. Um, we've got some talented kids, and, and I think hopefully that we're, we're putting it together kind of at the right time of year. When you look at St. Joe's and, and your team, obviously everybody talks about Logan Bonner. Talk, talk about his play, and I had another great game Friday night, and you guys just win 62-6. to six. Yeah, Logan is a, a really good player. Um, he's been a good player for a long time. and He's just a tremendous running back. He's got great vision. He's very fast. And he's also really stepped up on the defensive side of the ball this year. So he's just a complete football player on both sides of the football, and he kind of leads us. So to be this successful this uh, long into the season, obviously Logan Bonner isn't the only player you've got on a team. Talk about some of the other guys who've made a, a sizable impact on your team this year. Well, we feel like coming into this year, we kind of relied on Logan probably a little bit too much last year. So we, we um, focused on throwing the ball a lot. We were unsure who our quarterback was going to be at the beginning of the year. Um, a young man by the name of Matthew Butler Everson, he's a junior, has really stepped up and and led our football team by getting us into the right play, checking at the line of scrimmage. And, uh, and he's starting to throw the ball really, really well. He throws a really good deep ball, and um, he's pretty mobile, so he can, you know, when something breaks down, he does a good job of, of scrambling around and, and making plays. Um, our fullback is a kid by the name of Jace Johnson. It's his third year on varsity. Um, he's a kid that's uh, moved around a lot for us. He started as a tied in for us and then was our center last year and has moved to fullback, a really smart kid, um, does a great job blocking for us. Um, and then we have another kid that's really stepped up this year. He was a backup tailback for us last year and really didn't get a lot of playing time. And his number 21, Jonathan Diaz, has stepped in at split in. Um, and he really gives us a really good pass threat. The rest of our offense is a kid, another senior kid, uh, Trevor Connor, who was split our split in last year that we moved down to guard. Then the final kid that kind of rounds us out is we have a, a senior named A.J. Wright at center that's doing a great job for us. I went and watched y'all last Saturday. It was a really good game against Groom, and um, I saw that you have a female kicker. Can you talk to us about that a little bit? <laughs> I can. Uh, I'll kind of tell you her story. Uh, when I This is my third year in St. Joe, and she was an eighth grader when I got here. Our offensive coordinator, a guy by the name of Daniel Lindenborn, came up to me and he said, hey, uh, we've got a girl that can kick. And I told him, well, I, I was, I'm kind of against girls playing football. I'm not going to lie, kind of old-fashioned. And I said, all right, I'll tell you. And he pestered me and pestered me. I said, all right, I'll tell you what, let me watch her kick one time. And I just assumed that she wouldn't be able to kick the ball very good. And I watched her kick one time. And I said, okay, she's hired. So she <laughs> as an eighth grader. But it's hard in junior high to get the snap and the hold down. Um, and I didn't know if she would stick with it. And last year as a freshman, she kicked for us. She was just, she's just really automatic. Um, but I can remember last year having her and worrying about her in games and, and getting hit and just um, worrying about how she would fit in, you know, with the team and whatnot. And now she's a sophomore and she's an old pro. And to be honest with you, I don't even think about her anymore. She's just part of the team. She does her thing. And um, the fact that she's a girl, this doesn't even register in my mind. She, you know, I don't worry about her at all. She's just really solid at what she does. She definitely was. Uh, what did she make? Five out of six. 
plays yeah, and I'll tell you, usually if, if the ball is snapped and it's on the tee and we protect it, she makes it. So usually when we miss a kick, it's not her fault. It's a, a protection problem or a snap or a hold problem. She's she's um, almost automatic. That's awesome. I love that. So has she changed your mind about girls playing football? Uh, she sure has. I'm looking for more girls in the hallway. <laughs> <laughs> Got a little sister coming up. I'm going to work on her. <laughs> doesn't this one uh, she plays soccer right she is she's she plays club soccer so she um kicks for us on friday and then she goes and plays on the weekends uh, matter of fact she had just taken a trip to washington dc and we played uh some soccer up in washington dc so she's hoping that she gets to play in college i um, mean she's a good kid she's uh ranked in the top of her class um academically she plays basketball for us um, runs track for us um so she's just a really solid kid so, Coach, let's talk about your trip here to being the head coach at St. Joe because in kind of looking at your background, I was amazed to find out that you were the offense coordinator for some really successful Munster teams. What brings you from being that successful in 11-man down to 6-man to be the head coach at St. Joe? Man, I don't know. I, I spent um, seven years in Munster with uh, Brady Carney, who's still, you know, one of my best friends, and I was 100% happy there, and it was um, – a deal where St. Joe's nine miles down the road. So uh, my kids, um, I have three kids, a daughter that went through Munster and uh, my oldest son played on the 2017 state championship team. I had one more son that was coming up and he was going to be a a junior. And when this opportunity arose, I kind of talked to him. And the first thing I said is uh, I'm not going to go, you know, it bothers you that I'm going to miss some of your stuff as a senior or as a junior. And he said, no, I'm don't worry about it, dad. So I went over uh, to St. Joe and I did it almost to kind of re-energize my, I'm, I'm getting towards the end of my, my career. Okay. I'm going to retire here pretty soon. And it, it is just, um, sometimes you get in a rut as a coach, I think. And so I'm um, having to learn a new game from 11 man going to six man. Um, it's just re-energized me. And um, I love it over in St. Joe. I love the six man game. It's a great game. Uh, I've taken to it more than I thought I would, actually, um, the three years I've been there. I can't even hardly watch an 11-man game anymore. It looks too crowded. You know what I mean? uh, And the great thing is uh, I went over there, uh, like I say, three years ago, um, and then my son, his senior year, decided he wanted to come to St. Joe. So he actually came – my youngest son came to St. Joe last year as a senior and was our quarterback. And uh, so I got to coach him, too, uh, in six-man football, which was pretty special. That is what, awesome. What did he think about six man football? Well, he liked it. He's a my my youngest son is a, a was a big basketball player. He's a big basketball. He's a point guard. So playing quarterback in six man football to him was like being a point guard on the basketball court. Uh, he does, you know, he did a good job. He enjoyed it. So let me ask you this: going from eleven man, very successful to six man, and you talk about the passion and the love you have for it now. What do you think is the biggest misconception among those who only watch 11-man about six-man football? Well, you know, when before I had seen a six-man game, my biggest perception was that I thought it was all pass. I thought it was almost like a 7-on-7 game. So to see that the, the physicalness of it and the, the blocking and the running and the tackling, um, I think sometimes it's almost a more physical game than, than some of the 11-man games. Um, and I'll tell you a story. Y'all were at the, uh, or at least Bobby was at the groom game. I had a coach that I'd, I'd coached under, uh, you know, 15 years ago, and he's retired now. And he called me and he said, I've never seen a six man game. I want to come to one of your games. What would be a good game to come to? And I told him the groom game will be a really good game, you know, with groom's tradition and whatnot. So he traveled to Chillicothe to see his first six man game. And the first thing he told me is he said, I thought it would be silly. And I don't know what he meant by silly, but then he was just blown away by um, just how technical the game was and how, like I said, how physical it was. He said, man, this is real football. And I said, you, it, dang right, it's real football. You know, it's fun. No, so, it, it is. It, I'm always amazed when you look at the uh, the kickoffs, how, how almost brutal the kickoffs are in six-man football. As much as we've tried to add safety to the game, the, the kickoffs are still just man-on-man. Man. They are. And, you know, it's – and I was, you know, I did coach in the, in the two-way level. It's still, you know, there's a lot of kids that play both ways. But when you want to really talk about Ironman football and having, you know, being tough guys, the six-man football really breeds that. You know, the good six-man schools really breed really tough kids. 
the groom kids, uh, two and I don't know their names, but two and 13 and 10, they're not very big, but you talk about tough guys and they make every tackle. And, and so I was just, I like the six man game because it doesn't matter the size or the stature of a kid. You know what I'm saying? You can be a really, really good player and you, and you don't have to be necessarily a big, big, but you do have to be tough. Two of those are Keelers, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. Damon and Stephen Keeler. Yeah. Really good players. Okay. So coach, you got Newcastle coming up. How are you going to prepare for that? We've been watching a lot of film this week, uh, weekend, and uh, they're a very talented uh, offensive team. They've got some really good skilled kids. So, I, I, you know, I'll probably tell my kids on Monday morning, there's not a magic formula. You know, we got to do what we do, and, and we've got to win matchups. And so we're going to line up defensively and kind of run what we always run, and we just got to make sure that, you know, we tackle well and, and run to the football and then offensively. It's always about execution. I always feel like if we do not turn the ball over, we got a chance to beat anybody. So we're going to take care of the ball on offense and try to find some stops on defense. Did, did you think you could find yourself? I mean, you're one of the favorites out of Region 3, you, you and Jonesboro, and you guys played within 14 points of each other earlier in the season. Did you expect to find yourself here this quickly? And how excited are you about your, your opportunities there in Region 3? Well, I felt like coming into the year, honestly, I felt like this – Probably would be my best team I've had in the three years I've been here just because of the experience coming back. And, uh, and of course, we got a special player in Logan Bronner. And I really think he's the best pure running back that I've seen in uh, six-man football. I'm sure there'll be other people that would argue that, but he's right up there. So I knew we would have a chance. Um, you know, I think for us to take the next step to be talking about district championships and, and regional championships, we've got to get better defensively. Um, we're preaching that to our kids all the time. Um, we've we've made some uh, position changes on the defensive side of the ball that hopefully will help us as as we uh, move forward. I don't know. I just like our chances. I, I think Region Three is is pretty wide open this year. Before we get there, uh, you know, we try to, you know, the old coach speak is we take things one week at a time. And and Newcastle is going to be a big challenge. They got a really good football team. So uh, before we do anything, we got to beat those guys. We definitely appreciate you coming on the show, taking the time. Great to talk about your team, St. Joe, a team that. You know, especially out of Region 3, we just don't give enough love to Region 3 when it comes to six-man football, and uh, you got a special player there. It's great to talk to you. Best of luck Friday night in your game against Newcastle, and best of luck for the rest of the season. All right, I appreciate you all having me on. Thank you very much. Thank you. So, Bobby, it was great to have Coach Stevens on and uh, talk about his St. Joe Panthers and the special running back he's got in Logan Bronner. I know that's somebody you watch play against Groom. You've seen a lot of kids play. Where, where would you put him on that list? He talked about great pure runners. Where would you put him there? Oh, I think he'd be pretty much near the top. He reminded me a little bit of Cass Johnson from Sterling City, but he's a lot uh, taller and larger than Cass Johnson. Uh, but they have similar running styles. I mean, I you know, I can understand how you would lose uh, Cass Johnson and he just comes out of the, the melee and you're like, how to get out of there. But Lo Logan Bronner does the same thing. And like I said last week, he does this thing with his head and his hips and it fakes people out as he's running, even, you know, mostly from side to side, you just see bodies flying past him. Like they just totally missed it. It's not like that's just one or two times that happened. I mean, it happened the whole game. So, you know, coach Dotson did tell me before that groom, before groom played them that day, that they had to tackle Logan Bronner <laughs> <laughs> and they did a pretty good job of it. But again, he, I think he is, he's up at the top. I just think that St. Joe is like you said, they're in region three. So we really haven't talked about a lot. We should be because he's yeah. good. He's that's a really good team. They're pretty physical too. Yeah, no, you're right there. Played Jonesboro within 14. I don't know that a lot of people saw that happening. That occurred earlier in the season. Uh, you look through Region 3, it is pretty wide open. It's Jonesboro, it's St. Joe, Newcastle, uh, Unions Hill uh, is a team you got to look at. So, I, you know, I, I just think Region 3 is wide open. You talk about Logan Bronner. Uh, had another good night Friday night, 11 carries, 149 yards, and four touchdowns. They held the Bryson Cowboys to 58 total yards of offense. That's a defense that he wanted. So uh, impressive there by the Panthers' D. And uh, so best of luck to Coach Stevens uh, and the Panthers moving forward. So let's move up and take a look at the top 10 rankings, and we'll start in Division One. 
Uh, the May Tigers, you know, I'm so used to saying no problem with uh, whoever their opponent is, but they actually had a little bit of a ball game Friday night, taking on the Baird Bears. They win that ball game 82 to 36, but it was close there for a while. It, it kind of was. I mean, Baird did not give up. The Bears actually took May to about halfway through the fourth quarter. So uh, they made him play. And, and again, you know, Baird put up 36 points on that May defense, which was uh, somewhat surprising. Now, I don't, I, didn't, I wasn't able to watch that game. So I don't know if uh, that was against the varsity or, I mean, I would assume it had to have been. But yeah, that was one of those full moon Friday games where the score was surprising no i am with you that that you know you and i were texting back and forth friday night and this was one of the games we we were looking at and and the score just really surprised us so uh looking at the number two ranked team the water valley wildcats now they didn't let the full moon bother them they defeat eden 71 to 18 cannon weiss we've heard that name before 10 carries 234 yards five touchdowns seven tackles Five of those seven tackles were tackles for loss. That's impressive. Connor Glass, their quarterback, three of three, 101 and three scores. For Eden, Julian Gambo, 108 yards passing through the air and two touchdowns. Next up is probably what was the biggest game uh, going on in six-man football. Number 10, Westbrook, taking on number three, Sterling City. And the Wildcats pull off what I think is is a mild upset, really, especially as well as Sterling City has been playing. They defeat them 60 to 50. At home. At yes. home. Let's not forget, it was at home. At halftime, that game was Westbrook 40, Sterling City 6. So I, I have to imagine that they had a come-to-Jesus meeting at halftime because uh, by the time we got to the fourth quarter, they were uh, Sterling City was only one touchdown behind the Wildcats. And then I believe with uh, five and a half minutes left, they actually went ahead of them. Um, the difference in this game was in the last 33 seconds, I believe Sterling City was on the Wildcat two-yard line and fumbled. Wow. And, and let me tell you what, what Westbrook did. And you could tell me if you've seen this very much. Uh, first down, they got it out of you know, the hot zone there, they got it out about five yards. So they're about on the set, their own seven yard line. The um, next time they kneeled it. And then the third down, they ran a play and took it all the way down and into the end zone for a touchdown. Uh, interesting. Isn't that interesting? That is very interesting. I would imagine that was talked about quite a bit on the Sterling city sidelines. I, I imagine that it probably was. <laughs> Dency texted me and she said, have you, how often have you seen this? And I said, I don't think I've ever seen anyone kneel it and then run a play. Hmm. And, and that was as, as the final seconds were ticking off. So maybe a little insult to injury there. You never know. You know, That's you never know. You don't know, but we might have to find out on that one. Well, you know, I fully expect these two to maybe meet again. Well, if they Perhaps do I, meet again. And yeah. I mean, there's a lot of good teams to get through before that happens, but that could come back to bite them. You never yeah. know. Yeah, that, that, that will be really interesting. What we talk about the win, the last time Westbrook beat Sterling city. Now this is 11 man and six man combined. They've never beaten them in six man until this time. But if you go all the way back with 11 man, 1940 you and i actually weren't even born by then no 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 and that was october 25th 1940 this is something that made lehman tweet uh you know he's not only the six-man historian but he obviously he's up on who was running for president and how much gas was because he went on to say that gas was 18 cents a gallon man i wish it was still that cheap and fdr was running for three onto it yeah, 318, no joke. Uh, <laughs> and FDR was running for re-election against Wendell Wilkie. I must admit, I've never heard of Wendell Wilkie. I, I haven't either, but um, now we have, thanks to Lehman. Things that make Lehman tweet. I'm telling you. <laughs> Westbrook with the big victory there over Sterling City, and uh, that I would imagine will put them uh, right there uh, as uh, likely district champs now out of that district. Number four ranked to Jonesboro. They just keep motoring right along. They take out the Zephyr Bulldogs 59 to nothing. 
The fifth-ranked Rankin Red Devils all over Grady, 88-31. to Braxton Kirkland, 256 yards on the ground and six touchdowns. Also had a passing touchdown. Uh, his running mate there, Blake Wise, 5 of 6, 94 yards and two touchdowns. For Grady, the freshman, Gunner Cherry, 111 yards on the ground and two touchdowns. And Cooper Wallen, 61 yards receiving and a touchdown. I got a little inside information on this one. Well, you know, again, Grady, they put up 31 points on Rankin. How did that happen? Well, um, I was told that every time that Rankin went to put in their second string, one of the Grady freshmen would just run right past them and right into the end zone. Uh, So I think Gunner Cherry was one. There's another freshman they have that's just really incredible. So um, if you're... If you're wanting to know what's going to happen in the next couple of years, watch Grady. Yeah, no doubt there. Gunner Cherry, I know that's a name we've talked about a lot. Impressive as a freshman. Uh, number six, Spring Lake Earth. Another thing that just makes you tweet. They beat <laughs> Petersburg 92 to 43. It's not that they beat Petersburg and that they 45, them, but that they, A, let Petersburg score 43 points. And this game went into, I think, the fourth quarter, right? It did. It really did. And actually, uh, the first half, I think that, you know, those two weeks off that Spring Lake Earth, we thought maybe this might might um, be an, have a negative effect on them. And it definitely did because the first half, it looked like they were struggling because uh, Petersburg was right there with them. I mean, they, they never got ahead of Spring Lake Earth. Um, but again, perhaps we had a come to Jesus meeting at halftime and, <laughs> and the third, the third quarter, I mean, you can kind of tell when that happens. Oh yeah. You've oh, been yeah. around enough. You can tell spring like, you said two weeks, I actually think it's been three weeks since spring like earth hit the field. So rust has got to be big time for them. You're right. And hopefully they knock that rust off. Um, I think they pretty much come out in the second half and then controlled the game at, at that point forward. Uh, they're going to get Nazareth here pretty soon, and that's going to be an incredible matchup. Yeah, no, that, that will be a good one. Well, speaking of Region 3 and Division 1, a team that we haven't mentioned in all this, the Abbott Panthers, they defeat Coolidge 53-8. to Riley Sestala, five carries, 91 yards, and a touchdown. It's Kane Klaus is a football player, 88 yards rushing, two touchdowns. Also had a 24-yard uh, receiving touchdown, Isaiah Singleton, Eight tackles in this ballgame, two of those tackles for loss. Uh, and for Coolidge, the Yellow Jackets, Alexis Martinez, uh, 15 carries for 53 yards, 42 yards passing, had a 30-yard receiving touchdown, and five tackles. So it wasn't due to Alexis Martinez that Coolidge lost that ballgame to Abbott. Uh, he had a good ballgame there for them. He did. Number, yeah, number eight, Garden City. Why? This is an interesting one here. So they beat Midland TLC. Is that TLC Texas Leadership Academy. Academy? Yeah, there we go. Mm-hmm. Uh, so number eight, Garden City wins this one, sixty-eight to nothing. We expected that. Here's the stat of the night for you: Midland TLCA had a negative forty-two yards total offense. I wonder if negative. Big O had anything to do with that. <laughs> well, there were a lot of names in the uh, uh, stat sheet there. Jordan Jones is one that stood out. Two carries, 76 yards, and a touchdown. Had a punt return for a touchdown and six and a half tackles. And Sebastian Balcazar got all of two carries in this ball game for 42 yards and a touchdown as well. Yeah, those Bearcats are rolling. They, they are, are rolling. We're, I can't wait to see how they end up in, in that district. Uh, exactly. Well, and when you start looking at Region 2 with uh, Sterling City and Westbrook that we talked about earlier, and you, you mix in Garden City in there. <laughs> Oh, boy, that's going to be some fun action. Uh, speaking of Region 2 and a team that maybe we're looking past a little bit, and I, I don't, I think they're sneaking up on us. That's the Hermley Cardinals, ranked number nine. They defeat Rotan, the Yellowhammers, 73-28. to 28. Beating Rotan, I don't want to, I think that's what I expected. I thought this game would be a lot closer. So impressive victory there for the Cardinals. Some guy, and stop me if you've heard this name before, Bubba Digby. Oh, Bubba, yes. Once or twice. Bubba Digby, 17 of 23, 305 and six touchdowns through the air. 16 carries, 165 yards on the ground, and another three scores. Uh, His favorite targets on the night, Stetson Digby. Hey, you got to keep it in the family, right? That's right. Exceptions, 163 yards and four touchdowns. And some guy named Patrick Carr, his last name's not Digby, so I don't know how we, you know, get him on the stat sheet here. But Patrick Carr, seven receptions, 130 yards, and a touchdown. 
And for the Yellowhammers, Zach Flores, 11 to 23 through the air, 204 and a touchdown. Jordan Daniels had 112 yards rushing, uh, sorry, 112 yards receiving and a touchdown and 34 yards rushing. But man, that, that to me, Coach Winters and the Cardinals, that, that's a big win there on a, a good Rotan Yellowhammers team. It really is. And did you know, uh, Sammy told me this will be his first time to the playoffs as head, head coach. So uh, congratulations, Coach Sammy Winters. Hopefully you will do well in the playoffs and keep on going. Let's talk about Bubba for a minute. We've talked about how he set a goal to uh, break the school record for the single season touchdowns. That previous record yes, previous, was 52 set by Colton King. Well, old Bubba, he broke that record against Rotan on Friday with his nine TDs. So now for, he has a total of 56 touchdowns this season. And what's a little scary is he has one more game to go against Ira. Wow, that is impressive. And that, that's a game we'll talk about coming up here later when we look ahead to next week's games. But uh, Hermley and Ira will be a great game. Think about this. Hermley and Ira, likely one, two out of that district, are going to get likely Sterling City and Westbrook. Oh, man. Can you imagine? Talk about some (laughs) five-district matchups there. But, you know, the way that Ira and Hermley have been playing, they may give them a really good matchup. I really look for that to be a really good matchup either way you go. The road to a Region 2 championship will be filled with a lot of great games. And, uh, boy, it's going to be survival of the fittest when you talk about Region 2. <laughs> Who's going to get voted off the island? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So let's move down to Division 2 then. Uh, the number one ranked Motley County Matadors were on bye week. Uh, rumor has it they still beat somebody 102 to nothing. I don't know. Uh, about <laughs> I think those you're rumors. right. <laughs> number two, Strawn all over Gustine, 54 to nothing. Number three, the Jayton Jaybirds, and uh, one of two Stanilands who were successful uh, this past week, Josh Stanilan, all over Guthrie, 64 to 16. The fourth ranked Fallout Panthers and Coach Copley, who had him on the show last week, defeat Derazette, 60 to nothing. Fifth ranked Richland Springs all over Mullen, 48 to nothing. They held Mullen to 32 yards of total offense. Jaden Bryan had Jaden Bryant, we'll put the T on the end there, 88 yards rushing and two touchdowns. Zane Caps, 53 yards and two touchdowns. Catch out this stat, though. Keston Lusty, nine and a half tackles, two and a half sacks, five and a half tackles for loss. That's a dominating defensive performance right there from Keston Lusty. You know, that, that name sounds familiar, that last name. You think? Oh, just a little bit. <laughs> um, obviously, he is just following right in Big Brother's footsteps. Can't wait to see them play, especially with defense like that. No doubt there. Uh, number seven, Balmeray. Number six, Anton was on a bye week. So number seven, Balmeray all over Sierra Blanca, 47 to nothing. Another game that made us tweet for a while, Whitherell and Laz, buddy. Whitherell wins this one 66 to 18. This game was a lot closer than that for a while, though. It was. I was, I was just a little shocked at that, but you know, <laughs> uh, I, I don't know why I keep saying I'm shocked uh, after the last few weeks of the ups and the downs, you would think that that, that would just be normal by now. Well, that can be six man football, uh, for the Panthers there, Shamadric Weaver, 15 carries, 192 yards and two scores, 139 yards passing and two touchdowns. And some kid named Ryan McDaniel, two receptions, 60 yards and a touchdown, and there's one thing when I covered the Whitherell Anton game that I guarantee you was actually true. When I sat down, I was told, are you sure you want to sit there? Because I am the loudest human being in this stadium and definitely the loudest human being on this side in the stands. That'd be Ryan McDaniel's mom. <laughs> and she did not disappoint. She did not stop from the beginning to the end. So a shout you know out what? to her as well. They got her another year because that Ryan McDaniel, he's that big number 25. And let me tell you, he works so hard <laughs> and um, she obviously works right along with him and she's going to be working for another year because he's only a junior. <laughs> That's fantastic. Uh, groom over heart 47 and nothing. Another game that was close for a while. And uh, then groom finally breaks out in that one. That one surprised me there. Uh, so that kind of wraps up the top 10 on both the Division One and Division Two. Some other big games that were going on. Uh, number 12 versus number 13, Valley taking on the Happy Cowboys. And unfortunately, I had to call a loss in this one. Valley wins at 70-68. to 68. This is a game that you were at. 
And uh, it was just, it was a really good six man football game. It really was. I enjoyed the heck out of that entire game. And, and, you know, I mean, I know that I can be unbiased and maybe you can't, I don't know, (laughs) 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 but um, happy did not play well. They did not play well at all. And uh, Valley, they they came ready. Yes. They were ready from the very first second they stepped on the field. And um, John Stanland had the Patriots ready to go. And they pretty much jumped on Happy from the get-go. And um, Happy did not respond well until the last half of the fourth quarter. <laughs> I actually thought we might have uh cowboy win come out of that but they just ran out of time that was a really good game one thing that i'm very impressed with is valley's discipline they were fairly disciplined in that game and happy never ever gave up they they gave 100 percent effort they may have not been on their game but they gave 110 percent effort yeah no you're right there uh, for the Patriots, Blake Beard, impressive from his spread back position, 173 yards rushing, three touchdowns and a receiving touchdown. Corbin Stanley, their quarterback, he was efficient, 7 of 12 through the air, 119 and two touchdowns. For Happy, and, and you talk about it, Happy's down two starters. They also lost one of their key spread backs for most of the second half in Cutter Hodges. So T.S. Bow, the senior, steps in. I call him Happy Swiss Army Knife. If, if we need a, an end, that's where T.S. goes. If we need a spread back, that's where he goes. Uh, if one of the water boys goes out with an injury, he'll fill in there. That's just kind of what, what TS does. A uh, very unassuming kid, but he had 153 yards rushing in this game. I've never seen him move so fast in my life. He, he, he found another speed in this ball game. He had three touchdowns on the ground, four receptions for 56 yards and two more touchdowns and eight and a half tackles. He, he was impressive in this ball game. Yes, he was. Every time I looked up, he was, he was out there just doing something great for the Cowboys or just just giving all the effort that he could possibly give. And, you know, it's always good to have players like that. Uh, you know, people call them utility players, and I really don't like that term because it implies that they only go where you need them. I like T.S. Bo because he can play any position that you ask of him. It's not that he's only going to go in to be the second string. He has his position, but he can also play other positions. And that what that's what makes him such an incredibly important player. I would agree with you there. Uh, down the road in District 2, Nazareth and Crest did battle. Yes. And I, I've told people before, this is, this is not what they say. This isn't your grandfather's Crest uh, kangaroos. This is no. a decent little team. Nazareth got everything they wanted in this ballgame. They win it, though, 41-40. to 40. They score with eight seconds left in the ballgame. And if, if I remember right, one of the stats that I got, so Trent Gerber is their uh, two-point conversion kicker. So Nazareth scores with eight seconds left. They go to kick the two-point conversion. Coming into that kick, if I remember correctly, he was one of five on the night. Oh, that would make a coach a little nervous. Yeah, they need the two-point conversion kick uh, to go in. He nails it. They go up 41 to 40. Uh, They survive a kickoff return at the end, and they win this one. Luke Schulte, just a little bit uh, sore the next day. 42 carries. Goodness. For 276 yards and four touchdowns. Sterl Welps, Will Young, each had a rushing touchdown there for the Swifts. And for Cress, Quavy Ellis, 182 yards on the ground and two touchdowns. Also had 34 yards receiving and two touchdowns, and their quarterback, Landry Young, with four passing touchdowns in this ballgame. A really big win there because, really, that sets up uh, whoever win that ballgame likely is the number two team out of this district, uh, barring any upset of Spring Lake Earth. And so Nazareth victorious in this one, 41-40. to Yes, we texted back and forth about that one, too, because it was just back and forth. I didn't know who was going to win that game. It, It was a close one. Uh, in Region 4, District 15, a blanket over Sydney, 70-40, to 40, Braden Daly. Uh, another good game, 156 yards rushing, four touchdowns, six tackles, two fumble recoveries. Carlos Morales as well. Uh, check out his night. 117 yards rushing and three touchdowns, 18 tackles, and two interceptions. 
And his running mate there, Hayden Rogers, 17 tackles in this ballgame. A really good performance there from the Blanket Tigers as they take out Sydney 70-40. to 40. We, Next, we keep seeing that name, Braden Day, come up. Yeah, exactly. He, he always has a day, right? He does. He does. We <laughs> might have to find a different joke, but, but yeah, he does have a day. He does. Region two, division one, district five, Van Horn and Buena Vista. We have to talk about this ballgame. So the Eagles win it 73 to 68. It was a great ballgame. Jermaine Corrales in this one for the Eagles, 188 yards passing and five touchdowns. Also had 51 yards on the ground and two touchdowns. Bryce Ferdell, 22 carries, 172 yards and two touchdowns. Also had two receptions for 50 yards and a touchdown. And with all that said, the lights went out, quote unquote, in Buena Vista. Tell us about it. They did. The lights did go out. <laughs> what was happening was, uh, you know, Van Horn was trying, it was driving down the field and they were trying to uh, get into the end zone so they could take the lead. When they were, I, I think it was probably within the first, within 10 yards of the, the end zone, they snapped the ball and everything went dark. <laughs> I got a link to that video on the Backroads podcast webpage at 1afan.com. And I also tell you exactly what time to fast forward it to, because let me tell you, it is extremely dark in Buena Vista when there are no lights at the field. Yes, it was. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was like there were no lights from town. There were no lights, period. The only lights you could see if you keep watching uh, the video when they keep the video rolling when the lights are out is everybody in the stands for Van Horn got their cell phones out and, or, you know, lit them up and held them up. So it was kind of cool. I did talk to Coach Tyrell at Van Horn. That was a huge win for the Eagles. And he said they knew it was going to be a very tough, very physical game. And he said, Buena Vista is very well coached and has been playing excellent all year long. The Van Horn boys knew it would take a total team effort to win this game. And that is just what happened. Sophomore number 28, Cy Garcia's initial kickoff return for a 73 yard touchdown stoked the fire. And our young offensive line, get that young offensive line, number 68, Pablo Mendez, number 50, Ismar Flores, number three, Felipe Garcia, and number 25, Ethan Hinojos, really set the tone, allowing them to run the ball. Behind the offensive line's blocks, senior number 15, Jermaine Corrales, that name sounds familiar, number five, Bryce Verdell, Jr., Number seven, Elijah Gaines, and senior number one, Frankie Ontiveros, were able to have a great night offensively. He also said that Buena Vista's offense was a huge test for them defensively. They had been a high-scoring offense all season long, so Van Horn knew they had to stop them several times throughout the night in order to be able to um, have it be a game in the fourth quarter. He said there was excellent effort on the Eagle defense and that's what won the game. Jermaine Corrales and Ethan Hinojos, again, two names we just heard, shifted back and forth from nose guard to middle linebacker, depending on what the situation called for. Their safeties, Bryce Verdell and Cy Garcia, played downhill on the run very well. And Frankie Ontiveros and Elijah Gaines held contain at the end spots all night. Coach Tyrell is very proud of the players and how well they played for each other and played for Van Horn. He's also very proud of the hard work and dedication the coaching staff puts in week in and week out. Their players have a lot to learn and a long way to go, but they're dedicated and committed to each other as a team. And really, you really have to be because, you know, they only had six players for several games there. So wow. they, were, they were playing the entire game. But he said it's a great day to be an Eagle. And he ended with, Eagle pride never dies. There you go. Great words there from uh, Coach Tyrell, and uh, great to see. So Van Horn picks up that victory over Buena Vista, 73-68, to 68, despite the lights going out. <laughs> yeah, go see that. Go watch it. It's kind of cool. It, Definitely. It, it's like uh, the video goes off, but it's not. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, no, it, it is extremely dark there. It, it it, I was amazed how long it took people to actually start getting their flashlights out for, for uh, cell phones as much as we can you know, pull them out uh, 
for just anything, it took several, it took uh, for a little bit there to finally start seeing some. So, well, not only that, but they kept panning in on the scoreboard. The scoreboard was working, but that, those were the only lights that were working. The, the, <laughs> the stadium lights didn't work, but the scoreboard did. <laughs> uh, crazy happenings there in Buena Vista. Uh, District two out of region one in division two. And this was a wild one. Will Dorado over Silverton, 59 to 58 in overtime. Now, Will Dorado had to play this game without three starters out due to injury. Uh, so they were trying to uh, make up for, for that loss there. Uh, at times, they had three freshmen on the field at one time. But uh, in overtime, Will Dorado scores on a fourth and 15 freshman Avion Lewis to Trey Matthews. Uh, and then uh, Dustin Bryant runs in the extra point. Silverton that comes back and scores in overtime, but Trey Matthews stuffs the extra point run and the Mustangs come out victorious in this one, 59 to 58. Wow. They got by, by the skin of their teeth, didn't they? Yes, they did. Another game we uh, texted about Borden County and whiteface. This game was closer than either one of us expected there for a while. Borden County finally uh, pulls off in this one, 79 to 34 Ishmael Rodriguez, 183 yards passing and three touchdowns. Brett Kingston, 158 yards rushing, four touchdowns, 102 yards receiving, and two touchdowns. That's the last name you've heard before. Yes. And for the Whiteface Antelopes, Jeremiah Rendon, 189 yards passing and two touchdowns. Also had uh, uh, 40 yards rushing and a touchdown. Noah Rendon, 104 yards uh, receiving and on five catches and a touchdown. And Devin Campbell with 10 tackles for Whiteface. But uh, Borden County now uh, looking really good there in District 4 in Division 1. Another game, Paducah and Kroll. Yes. I did not see this coming. Kroll <laughs> upsets the Dragons 32-24. to And Paducah was a top-10 team three weeks ago, and, man, have they fallen on hard times since then. So Kroll wins that one 32-24. Held Chapman, 27 carries, 164 yards, three touchdowns. Also, two of three through the air for 42 yards and a touchdown. Uh, for the Dragons on the losing end, Deflon Flemings, 101 yards rushing uh, and two touchdowns. Also had 31 yards receiving. And Jimmy Rogers, not the old country and western singer, but Jimmy Rogers, the football player, 63 yards rushing and a touchdown. And the Wildcats really playing well here to end the season for Coach Parsley. They really are. And, you know, we talked about that the last three weeks. They have they have jumped up and, and stayed with some people. There's a really cool uh, story about Harold Chapman at Kroll. Uh, last year, I had gone to watch them scrimmage against Silverton and Harold Chapman. I, th I believe he's number 24. I may be yeah. wrong. He is You're 24, right. isn't he? He caught a pass and started running toward the end zone in this Silverton scrimmage. And all I could hear were people in the stands yelling, run, hamburger, run. <laughs> and uh, it seems his nickname is Hamburger. And there's a good story about that. And I'm going to go dig that story up because I don't want to tell the wrong one because it's a really good one. I wrote about it, if you, you know, last year. So I guess that'll be my homework for week 10. How about that? Well, I'm looking forward to that. And then let's finish up the scoreboard. Uh, last game we'll talk about out of Region 3, District 11. Blum the Bobcats with another tight one. This time they take out Bynum 56-52. to 52. And it's been such a tough season all year for Blum. Just love seeing them uh, get something going here in uh, district action. Lane Good had 193 yards uh, on the ground for the Bobcats. He was really good. Four touchdowns. Armando De Hoyas, uh, 68 yards rushing and two touchdowns. Four Bynum. Nathan Castro, seven carries 191 yards wow <laughs> exactly and three touchdowns uh, also had 121 yards passing through the air and a touchdown and daryl tovar 63 carries 63 carries boy that that's that's interesting 14 carries 63 <laughs> yards and two touchdowns 63 would have been wild uh, he also had uh, two receiving uh, uh two receptions for 91 yards and a touchdown but blum wins that one 56 to 52 that one went back and forth the entire game. I was watching that score as well. So that's going to wrap up week nine for us. Before we leave week nine, though, Bobby, we want to give out our, our sincerest condolences and prayers for the folks in White Deer and obviously Pampa as well. Uh, for those who haven't heard, and, and probably I would imagine most of the state has by now, uh, there was a, a an accident in White Deer last week that unfortunately took the life of three uh, uh, young men, a fourth uh, in critical condition. I do believe he is stable, though. 
Uh, I've not heard anything negative come out of there. So I think he's uh, slowly recovering there. But, uh, you know, one, one of the youth was from White Deer, a seventh grader. Two of them were from Pampa. They were seventh graders as well. And then another seventh grader there in the hospital in Lubbock right now. So uh, when you read that, it, it doesn't matter, you know, whether you're longtime rivals with White Deer. It doesn't matter if you don't know anybody there. It just absolutely makes your heart sink. As a parent of four boys, I can't imagine what those parents have gone through. And so, you know, we, we just offer our sincerest condolences there and uh, for Coach Rucker and, and the entire staff there in White Deer. Yes, definitely. And, and you know, the great thing about six-man communities is we all come together and pray for each other when things like this unfortunately happen. So many schools showed their support. Um, the six-man community for White Deer by putting helmet stickers on their helmets that were, you know, blue WD helmet stickers by wearing blue on Thursday and Friday and taking pictures. And some of the cheerleaders, their, their colors weren't anything to do with blue and they had on blue shirts. We've gotten many, many pictures and they've all flooded in and we've been putting them on Instagram. But thank you all as a six-man community. I would expect nothing less uh, for keeping White Deer in your prayers. And not just last week, but continuing going forward because it's going to take a long time for the community to be able to get back to normal. Most definitely. And uh, yeah, you're right. The, the recovery process will be long Yes, um, and it will be hard, but, uh, you know, that is what makes the six man community and the small schools here in Texas. So great is it doesn't matter what your thoughts are about each other, whether you know each other, everybody has got each other's back in the end. And that, and that's what, what makes it such a special, uh, place to be playing in You're You are correct. And so, uh, shout out to white deer. We're still going to keep you in our prayers this weekend because white deer didn't have a game the girls decided to put on a powder puff uh, game and raise money for the families. And so they had a powder puff game. And as per usual, the boys dressed up as cheerleaders and they said it was a really good time and they made lots of good money for the families. And they were just really happy to get out there and, and do that for the community. That is awesome. Sometimes the best way to get a uh, get over a grieving heart is laughter. So uh, gl glad to see that. Well, Bobby, let's move to week 10. Let's look forward to week 10 real quick. And we're getting near the end of district play. We're getting near the end of the regular season. And we have got some fantastic matchups coming out. We're going to start in Division 2 this time. And uh, out of uh, Division 2, District 4, Loop and Sands, they're going to be playing for the district runner-up position. Out of District 8, Rule and Benjamin playing for the crown. The Mustangs playing really well there. Uh, District 10, Fannindale and Goldberg. And District 16, Rochelle and Cherokee. And, you know, we didn't talk about Cherokee. They put a they put a hammering along 87 to nothing in that ball game. They did. Uh, you know, that, that district, uh, Richmond Springs likely wraps that one up. But Rochelle and uh, Cherokee should be a good one. So some really good matchups there in Division 2 for uh, district seeding or district titles on the line. Yes, I went through all of those, all of Division Two, and was trying to pick the top two, and and was looking back at scores from from the last week or two, and some of them are just too close to tell. So if we went back over all of those districts again, that would be interesting to see how see how our our picks change. Yeah, it would be. It would be. And then in Division One, boy, do we have some heavyweight matchups going on. One of the best ones, Hermley and Ira for the district championship. Now, you're right. Ira still has to play Aspermont uh, next week, mm -hmm. uh, week 11. Uh, but uh, assuming that they don't uh, fall flat on their faces there, I would imagine Ira would be heavy favorites in that ball game. So Hermley and Ira, the Digbys, it's in Coach Goodwin there. And, uh, well, I, you know, we've kind of been looking forward to that matchup and was really curious to see how both of them played against Rotan. This should be a really good ball game. It should, and it's going to be played at at Hermely. Um, great stadium and a great atmosphere there, and I think Coach Winters is really wanting everybody to pack the stadium. So Friday, if you're near Hermely, drive on over to the Cardinal Field, get in the stands, and, and watch a great game. No doubt. 
Uh, District 15, Jonesboro and Lamita. We'll see if Lamita's got enough to take down uh, Jonesboro. That one will be for the district championship. Out of District 2, Nazareth and Spring Lake Earth. Mm. I've thought all along Spring Lake Earth was easily going to win this division. Nazareth's playing well, though. They are. The style that Coach Goodwin, this is Tyler Goodwin, the son. Uh, they're at Nazareth. Uh, you know, they. you just wonder if they might give Spring Lake Earth a little bit of fits there. Uh, out of District 5, we talked about, about Van Horn. Van Horn and Fort Davis playing. The outcome of this game really important because Fort Davis has still got Buena Vista in Week 11. They do, and Fort Davis has been playing very well. Uh, District 9, uh, we talked to Coach Stevens early in here. St. Joe and Newcastle for the district title there. District 12, Abbott and Aquila. That should be a good matchup. And then mm. District 3, Knox City and Spur battle it out, and that should be a whale of a ball game. <laughs> it should be, and that's this week. So, you know, you just talked about, what, seven games that have playoff implications? They're all happening this week. So, you know, we might be texting back and forth. Thank goodness there's not a full moon this next Friday because I don't know that I could take that, but, but we'll see well, how that all turns out. I tell you what, you're leading into Halloween. If we'd have had a full moon on uh, this coming Friday night with Halloween uh, just right there on the horizon, it may not have been good at all. Some point in time, you, you know, you, you got to let the forces of nature uh, stay far apart. <laughs> so, you know, you're right. I didn't even think about that, but it is Halloween weekend, my favorite holiday. Um, so everybody, <laughs> I know that sounds funny, but. Maybe I'll dress up and go to a, a, a game Friday. Actually, I'm supposed to go to Balmeray, but um, one thing that we didn't talk about is, you know, we don't talk about Dill City very much, but they actually traveled up here to the Panhandle on Saturday, yesterday, and took on Lubbock Titans, and they were tied 28 to 28, and Dill City had an injury and they had to forfeit. Can oh. you imagine driving all that way? Oh, so I don't know if they'll be able to play Balmeray this Friday. I was planning on going down to that area to catch that game. Um, I'm still waiting to find out. Um, but can you imagine? I, I just feel so bad for those kids playing your heart out, and then you only have five, and you have to forfeit the game. Mm, that's tough. That is tough. Well, hopefully, uh, best of luck there to Dell City, and they can get on the field this Friday night against Balmeray. Well, Bobby, let's finish things up with, we talked about the man earlier, Lehman, things that make Lehman tweet. Well, let's talk about Lehman's six-man 101. We're not going to talk about a game, not a game that I'm thinking of on the Six Man Films YouTube channel, but I want to read an excerpt from the book, Grit and Glory, Six-Man Football by Laura Wilson. Uh, it was published by Bright Sky Press out of Albany, Texas in 2003. Um, if you'd like, there's a link to the book at 1afan.com on the Back Road podcast page. You might want to go out and look at it. It's a fabulous book. It's got great pictures, also some stories like this one. Great rivals will sometimes go to the extreme to create a competitive edge. On the morning of October 11th, 2002, the Santa Ana Mountaineers decided to slow down their opponents, the Panther Creek Panthers. They flooded their own field. And then for good measure, they gave an extra soaking to the visitor's sidelines. So the Panther Creek coaches and squad would have to stand in mud and water. I don't see an issue with that. Do you? <laughs> well, there was, there was an issue. <laughs> But a Panther Creek father on his way to work that morning happened to pass by. He got a picture. A flag went up. The UIL, the Governing Board of Texas Public Schools, headquartered in Austin, was alerted. And after a day of phone calls, late that afternoon, a ruling came down. The Santa Ana Mountaineers were ordered to travel to Panther Creek Stadium. They would give up not only their home field advantage, but also forfeit the $2,300 gate and the $1,500 concession stand income. On top of that, they had to pay a hefty $700 referee tab because of their own insistence on using officials from Austin. 
The Panthers beat the Mountaineers 49 to nothing. The chastened Santa Ana team and all their fans went home. They had been 45 on a dry field. That's a crazy story. It's our own Bull Durham here in Six Man. I'm, I'm telling you, uh, this book by Laura Wilson. Oh, by the way, she is Owen Wilson. That's his mother. She's the Wilson, Wilson brothers' mom, and she enjoys Six Man and took all the pictures and wrote uh, the book. The foreword is by Troy Aikman, and the afterword is by none other than C.H. Underwood. Wow. Yes. So we got, so we got a little six-man history there that did happen. I think 2002 is not that long ago, but if you think about it, that was 19 years ago. Oh, don't remind me. I think 19 years ago should still be the 1980s. So <laughs> we were young back then. I know. <laughs> so there's a lot going on this week. I'm just going to run through it right fast. Uh, regional cross country um, happens tomorrow and Tuesday. Region one is tomorrow in Lubbock. Region two is Tuesday in San Angelo. Region three is Tuesday in Grand Prairie. Region four is Monday tomorrow in Corpus Christi. Also coming up, we have 17 1A bands uh, who earned a spot at the state marching contest. It will happen on Tuesday, November 2nd. Gossel got that up on the website. You can go see all those 17 bands. Give them a shout out. Good job, bands. Another thing we have going on is volleyball is coming to an end, the district race. So we'll have those district winners going on to the playoffs for 1A volleyball here pretty soon and also basketball is coming (laughs) holy cow we got a lot going on right now football football we're going into the end so lots of things to to talk about I have a question for you Uh, so everybody has homecoming traditions right yes I have noticed here this past year and a half or two years that instead of having a bonfire, people are wrapping letters with old towels and t-shirts and setting them on fire. What does Happy do? Uh, We usually burn uh, just a big stack of wood and then put whatever mascot it is at the top of that, whoever we're playing. That's generally what we do. That's that's what we do in Jayton as well. It seems like a lot of people have gone away from the wood big bonfires um, to burning of the letters. If any of you have some information or you want to comment on that, send us an email at texas1afan at gmail.com. You know, inquiring minds want to know. We all know about the big mums. What we want to know about are burning letters versus a big pile for a bonfire. Now you said big mums. Big right? mums, yes. How about gargantuan moms? Yes. Moms have guess, gotten out of control. Yes. Have you seen that meme where the helicopter is, is bringing <laughs> the mum in? I mean, that makes me laugh every single time. But I've seen some really huge mums. Oh, my goodness. Especially like off in the Dallas-Fort uh, Worth Metroplex. It's this. I, I, yeah, I don't know what's happening there. <laughs> I mean, it's out of control. You, you have to have like a, a neck brace to wear it. <laughs> oh. get, get back problems as a teenager wearing something <laughs> like that. It is amazing. So, so much going on. Uh, there's some big games coming up in week 10. We got state band coming up. Uh, we got regional cross countries. Uh, and before I get out of here, the one thing I would tell you is if, if you ever wanted to say that something was must watch when it comes to cross country, if you're in Lubbock tomorrow, Region one, go watch the girls run. Tatum Goodman from Spring Lake Earth is of another planet. She really is. Nine in the district meet. Ten minutes and 59 seconds. I promise you, folks, I could not get on a bike right now and outrace her for two miles. I could not do it. And you you got to think about on the other side, on the boys' side, you got Brandon Passman, who recently signed with Alabama to run cross country there. And he's about a minute ahead of the entire state um almost a minute there's a kid from miller groves his name's isaiah billingsley i think he's right there on his heels Uh, when i say right there on his heels it's like 59 seconds so (laughs) (laughs) but we have all those times out we there were two districts we didn't get number 12 uh district 12 
and District 24, but everybody else's times are out there. Go out there, look at them, go to a regional site, and we'll keep you updated on Facebook on who makes it to the big house. I'm with you. So that's going to wrap it up for us. This was the Week 9 Backroads Podcast here with Texas 1A Fan. We're going to get out of here. I'm Craig Spear with PressPassSports.com and Happy Sports Network. And I'm Bobby Brown, Texas 1A Fan. Always remember, go forward and do good.